friends, welcome to the Small Business Matters podcast, the only podcast that truly matters to small business. My name is Tim Fulton. I'm the founder and chief evangelist for Small Business Matters, and I'm your host for this podcast. My co-host is Taylor Fulton, the director of marketing for Small Business Matters. Hello, Taylor. Hey, how are you doing? Doing great, Taylor. I am so excited. I have one of my favorite designers and engineers on with us today. Her name is Alicia Butler-Pierre. Yeah, I was reading a little bit about her bio this afternoon, and I'm really excited because I think um, process design and, and engineering for small business is so important and something that a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners don't think about every day. So I'm really looking forward to hearing her perspective on some of our questions and, and conversations. I am as well, and I don't want to waste a second. Uh, Alicia, are you with us? I am. Thank you for having me. You are very welcome, and so excited to have you on the Small Business Matters podcast. So let me introduce you uh, to our listeners. Alicia Butler-Pierre is the founder and the CEO of Equilibria, where she first formulated the, and I want to make sure I pronounce this right, Alicia, Casanu? Casanu. Casanu, and we'll learn more about that Casanu methodology for business infrastructure. She has since successfully applied this methodology in over 30 different industries and, and counting. She's very well educated. She has a Bachelor of Science in Chemical Engineering from Louisiana State University. She's a tiger. And more importantly, <laughs> she has her MBA from a great school in New Orleans, Tulane University. Taylor, you've heard of Tulane? Uh, a few times, yeah. Yep. <laughs> she is also a certified Lean Six Sigma black belt and has written over 200 articles, case studies, videos, and white papers in the areas of business infrastructure, process improvement, operational excellence. Combined, her content has received over a quarter of a million views on SlideShare.net alone. That's amazing. Her ability to blend the scientific business mathematical methodologies to solve complex operational problems enables her to bring a truly unique tactical and realistic perspective to her clients and, and Taylor I've referred a number of people to Alicia and they've just always raved about what she's been able to do she's provided services to companies that you and I both recognize like Coca-Cola Lowe's Shell Oil she's committed to doing the right things the right way and her mantra is to leave it better than you find it her most recent accomplishment lies in her new book, and I can't wait to hear more about this. The book is entitled Behind the Facade, How to Structure Company Operations for Sustainable Success, which just came out in mid-October of this year on Amazon, and already it's the number one new release for business books in the production and operations category. Alicia, again, welcome to the Small Business Matters podcast. Thank you so much, Tim. I sound pretty important. <laughs> you do. <Listen. laughs> you do. So let's, let's get started. So, Alicia, let's start off. I shared a little bit of your background with our listeners, but give us kind of the CNN version of how did you get to where you are today? Well, as you mentioned in your introduction of me, my background is, is in chemical engineering. And as a chemical engineer, I worked as a process engineer, meaning I was in different oil refineries and chemical plants in my native Louisiana. 
And as a process engineer, I was literally responsible for figuring out whenever a particular product did not meet certain specifications, I had to figure out what went wrong in the process of making that particular product to cause it to not meet the specification. Fast forward, by the year 2005, I decided to relocate to Atlanta, Georgia. Knew one person when I moved here, but I just had this burning desire to get out and try something different. And Atlanta is actually landlocked, as we know, and chemical engineers need to traditionally be near water. And so I had to figure out how can I take working in these oil refineries and chemical plants and apply this to all of these businesses that are here in the Atlanta area. And that's really how Equilibria, my company, came into existence. And over the years, it's been 13 and a half years now, which is really hard to believe. But just from a series of working with so many different people across so many different industries and really learning and picking up new skills along the way has allowed my company to morph into what it is today. So that's my CNN version. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. So Alicia, tell us a little bit about what is a typical client engagement like for you these days? What usually happens, Taylor, is people are usually referred to me. Okay. They don't normally come to me on their own. They're usually referred to me by someone like Tim. Mm -hmm. And what usually happens is we have an initial consultation first. And that gives me an opportunity to ask questions, really figure out what may truly be the root cause of whatever pain they may be experiencing from an operations perspective. And then from there, I like to move into what I call a, a BID, a business infrastructure diagnostic. So imagine if you have some type of an ailment, right? And you go to the doctor and you may think you know what the problem is, but it's not until that doctor consults with you and maybe runs a series of different tests to actually properly diagnose what truly is the problem. So I kind of take my clients through a similar process. Mm. And once we do that diagnostic, from there I'm able to say, okay, based on all of these questions that I've asked, based on a series of observations from being around you and your staff and talking to your entire ecosystem of people that you work with, this is what I recommend. And you don't have to hire me to help you put these things into place. But if you were to hire me, this is what it would cost. And this is how long it would take. Mm. Alicia, that's very helpful for our listeners. As you're aware, I work with a, a number of small business owners and CEOs. And I find this is one area of their business that they really struggle with is organizational design. Why do you, why do you think that is? Why do you think that so many small business owners fail to, to recognize and address the organizational issues that they have within their business? Honestly, Tim, it's because for the most part, they don't know. They don't know what they don't know. And it's not, it's not their fault. <laughs> and I'll, I'll explain. I Right now, and, and you, you're probably aware of this, there's, and I won't mention it by name, but there's a huge small business conference that will take place in Atlanta, Georgia on tomorrow, November 15th. And just for kicks, I looked over the agenda. I wanted to see all of the different topics that would be covered. And it's always the usual suspects, things about marketing, social media, 
branding, PR, publicity. You may have some things in there that are HR related, how to structure employee engagements, things like that. There may also be some legal components, maybe even some things to help you understand about how to read financial statements for your business. Uh But there was nothing in there, nothing included about operations, Uh how to actually structure your processes and design your company so that it functions and can adequately meet demand from your customers on a day-to-day basis. Usually, whenever we see conversations around operations or organizational design, process design, it's usually reserved for manufacturing companies, if it's a small business. Or you may see that discussion included sometimes in these tech startup companies. And I really believe that's because tech startups, they're almost expected to scale and scale very quickly. And they know they have to have that operational component in place. But for the most part, I believe the the struggle is there because we just don't have the exposure to that information. It's not something that unfortunately makes the, the cut when it comes to having these small business conferences, workshops, webinars, you name it. Well, we're going to change all of that. We're yes, we are. All. Yes, we are. <laughs> Taylor, why don't you take the next one? So, sure. Um, what would you say are some examples of typical mistakes or errors that business leaders and CEOs often make when setting up design work or some of that uh, project engineering? There are really three big ones, Taylor. One, rushing. The expectation that, well, why can't I fix this overnight? Why can't I fix all of this in less than 30 days? And I usually have to tell people, you didn't build this in 30 days, right? So why do you think you're going to make dramatic and drastic improvements in less than a 30-day period? But but I get it. We're in a society of instant gratification, and we want quick results. And there are some things that you can do – maybe some tiny things that you can do that may have a big impact, but to truly transform your business, it will not happen in a short period of time. And so some people can, you know, we have to set those expectations very early on. The second thing is, and this is not just limited or confined to small businesses, it happens in larger enterprises as well, It's very enticing and tempting to invest in technology, software in particular, before analyzing how it's going to actually improve the way we currently do things in our businesses. And I'm guilty of it. I call it the shiny object syndrome. We see this new piece of technology and it, it, you know, and these, these salesmen are great at what they do. We've bought and sold into the dream. Mm-hmm. Only to find that, you know what, well, this particular piece of software isn't compatible with the other tools that we're using. And so now what should have taken, let's say, 30 minutes to complete is now taking two hours. So just because you invest in the technology doesn't always necessarily mean that it's going to streamline or make what you're doing that much more efficient. It may actually add to the amount of time that it takes you to perform certain tasks. So what I suggest is that people really understand their workflow, their process before they invest in software or any type of technology that's designed to streamline what you're doing to make sure that it really will work and and produce the desired results. And the third thing is Mm -hmm. 
people are, it, it amazes me how they don't monitor and measure what they're doing. We go, 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 go. We start these new endeavors. And, and this is across the board. It's not just confined to things that you do from an operation standpoint. But let's say things with marketing, for example. If you are into social media, and, and I'll use that as an example because it's, it's so popular and so top of mind. But we're constantly being told about how much time we should devote to certain certain social media platforms. And then you always have to ask people, well, what are the results? Are you actually studying the metrics? Are you monitoring how successful this is or isn't? So if you're going to devote a certain amount of time engaging in certain activities, you need to make sure that you're re receiving some type of return on that investment of your time. And that goes across the board. Anytime you embark on any type of new endeavor, anytime you get an idea to improve something in your business, you have to actually measure mm -hmm. and monitor it to make sure that it really is doing what you thought it should do. Well, those are, are three great examples of mistakes that I've seen, certainly in, in my clients, that, that they attempt to do design work. And as a result, I think sometimes they fail and, and it's too bad that they, they, they fail because of any one of those. So Alicia, I also find that many small business owners, uh, I think they're fearful of doing process design. Maybe they're afraid of, of messing things up or you know making any of those, those mistakes that you identified. What would you suggest to help them maybe mitigate some of that fear that they have about doing design work and trying to improve the, the operation of their business? Get around people who are experts at doing that type of thing. Mm. Let's go back to the book, a book that we both love, Tim, The mm -hmm. E-Myth. And oh, yeah. Michael Gerber talks about the entrepreneur, the manager, and the technician. Not all entrepreneurs are managers. We don't like to dot all of the I's and cross all of the T's and have the policies and the procedures and the processes in place, right? Those are the details. And if we are true entrepreneurs and true visionaries, we're, we're at the 50,000-foot level. We're not trying to get bogged down into the nitty-gritty details, right? That's mm -hmm. what the managers are there for. So add those people to your mm -hmm. team. Mm -hmm. Who said that we had to be a jack of all trades? Now, that works when you're first starting your business, right? You have no problem rolling up your sleeves and doing whatever it takes to get things done. But once you reach a certain point in your business, you really do have to start seeking the other subject matter experts. You, you won't know everything. You shouldn't expect mm -hmm. to know everything. It's just like the president, right? The president has a cabinet of advisors. Why? Because no one person can be well-versed and an expert across the board in everything. So you get the people around you who have the expertise that you may not have. That alone, I think, removes so much of the fear. Mm. Um, because we, you know, so many times... Other consultants and, and coaches may tell us that there's this expectation that you have to do, as the owner of your business, you have to do everything, mm -hmm. and you don't. Our job really is, is business development and making sure we surround ourselves with an all-star team of people. That is so true, and you know, it's, it's funny, Alicia, if, if I have uh, legal work to do, 
I'm not going to do that myself. I'm going to hire an attorney. If, mm-hmm. if I need to do my tax return, I'm going to hire a, a CPA. And if I decide to re-engineer my entire business, well, clearly I can do that myself, right? <laughs> it, it makes no sense uh, whatsoever. Great point. Great analogy. Uh, but but you know what? You you actually bring up something something else that's really important. People don't know who to ask for that kind of help. They don't know. And oftentimes, those who do know, they may hear the buzzword, for example, Lean Six Sigma. But what they may find is that when they go out into the marketplace looking for people who specialize in Lean Six Sigma work, those people don't work with small businesses for Mm -hmm. the most part. They're working with the large Fortune 500 companies. Mm. So it, it's that's been part of my struggle, honestly, for the past 13 and a half years is just letting these smaller businesses know, hey, we're here. <laughs> <laughs> and don't think that you have to do this yourself because the consultants that are out there won't touch a small business. We actually have services that are geared and designed specifically for you. So what are some really good examples of great organizational design, either a a case study from a small business or some of the, the larger companies that small businesses could learn from? I should preface my answer to that question by first saying this. Marketing is popular because it's what is seen. Operations is less popular because it deals with the unseen. Mm. Yet, operations is experienced. Okay? So, when we talk about, Taylor, great organizational design or great process design, we know a company has great design based on our experience. Right? Mm -hmm. So, consistency number one, is a key factor. Also, you'll know that a company has great design when you as a customer know exactly what to expect. You're told from beginning to end. So from the moment, let's say you place an order, let's, let's use Amazon as an example, since it's not a small company, obviously, but it's, it's a company that everyone can pretty much relate to. From the moment you place your order on Amazon, They tell you exactly how much the shipping is going to cost. They give you an estimated delivery date. You can actually, after you've placed your order, you can then log back into your account and actually track your product. So you know from beginning to end, so from order to delivery, you know exactly what to expect. And they take it a step further. If a problem is encountered, because not things will go awry, But there's a level of communication that takes place. And that is so important. So if you communicate to your customer, when you order this particular product or service from me, it's going to take X amount of days or or this particular period of time. And let's say if something, there's a hiccup of some sort that comes up. It's your job to contact your customer and let them know. The worst thing you could do is for is to not be able to keep your promise and not explain to your customer why. Now you've upset them, and we all know an, an angry customer is much more vocal than a, a happy customer, right? Mm-hmm. So they're going to they're going to get online and give you a bad review. 
but I, I just think Amazon is, is such a great example because they are the epitome of disruption. They have automated so many different types of services across the board, and it's no accident that Jeff Bezos is, is an engineer, mm. right? So his company is a reflection of his background as an engineer. Everything is process-oriented. What we as a customer on Amazon may experience as, oh, it's a really simple three- or four-step process. In the background, it may actually be 300 steps. Mm. We don't actually see how they're, the magic that they work in the background. We just experience it. So, so that's, that's one really great example. I have a personal example to share. I'm not sure if, if you all ever shop at Nordstrom's, but whenever I go to Nordstrom's, they never have my shoe size. Mm. I can feel almost never. I have I wear a size six or six and a half, and they almost never have a shoe that I may like in my size. But they always make it a point to order it for me. Mm. And they they tell me before I leave a particular Nordstrom's location, I know exactly when I'm going to my the shoe is actually delivered to my home. So I don't even have to go back into a store. But the level of customer service, the attention to detail, the the step-by-step process that they're taking me through and that they are sharing with me lets me know that in the background, okay, great organizational design. They have great process design. These people know what they're doing. So th- those are just some examples. Taylor, this is great. The- the idea that, that great organizational design results in, in consistency, no surprises, uh, it, and, and affords us the opportunity to keep our promises. I, I think those are great ways to think about organizational design. I, I want to remind our listeners that you are listening to the Small Business Matters podcast, the only podcast that truly matters to small business. Our guest today is Alicia Butler-Pierre, the author of the best-selling book, Behind the Facade. And that's where I want to go next, Alicia. So tell us about the book. I can't wait to hear about the book. Okay. The book is actually a very unique type of business book, Tim, because it is a how-to book. But I I worked really hard at not making it a dull, flat, boring step-by-step how-to book. So most of the book is actually written as short novels. So um, it's introducing the methodology that I created for creating what I call business infrastructure in fast-growing small companies. And the methodology is composed of seven different what I call elements. And so there's a chapter dedicated to each of those elements But the way to actually execute each of those elements is told in a storytelling or novel type format. So you actually get to meet these entrepreneurs and the consultants who are helping them work through a particular problem. So it's it goes beyond what a case study would do. A case study is usually telling you the problem, the action and the result Mm -hmm. after the fact. The way these stories are written, you as the reader, it's almost like you're right there side by side with that entrepreneur 
as they are introduced to these different concepts of the methodology. And I had a lot of fun writing it. Um, It's tedious. It was a very tedious process, but it actually did debut on Amazon as the number one new release in the production and operations category. So that told me a couple of things that the, the main thing that it taught me was that this is a topic, again, that just isn't discussed. And I think the time is now for this to really get out there to us small business owners. When I actually submitted the information to the Library of Congress, Tim and Taylor, uh-huh. it, it, it actually will ask you, and, and Tim, you know this because uh-huh. you, you have several books, but you're asked to actually assign your book to certain categories. The category of business infrastructure does not exist. <laughs> it doesn't even exist. And so with your help, Tim and Taylor, I'm on a personal mission to change that conversation because so many businesses, and and Tim, I know you and I, the last time we talked, you were running down some really powerful stats about at what point certain businesses fail. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times startups don't fail or certain companies don't fail because they don't have enough customers. They actually might fail because they have too many. And the reason they are having trouble is because it's Going back to that economic law of supply and demand, their customer demand is so high that they don't have the operational structure in place to be able to meet that demand. And I'm saying, get my book so that if you do run into that issue, if you do have find yourself not being able to meet your customer demand, your business doesn't have to implode. There is a way to get things back on track so that your business can grow in a sustainable way. Well, I, I really want to encourage our listeners to go out today and find Alicia's book. Again, the title is Behind the Facade, How to Structure Company Operations for Sustainable Success. And I'm sure it's available on Amazon. Uh, Alicia, where else can we find the book? Actually, any major online retailer, it's available on Books a Million, Barnes & Noble, any online retailer. We have actually worldwide distribution at this point. So, Taylor, now we've come to, I know, your favorite part of the podcast. It's our rapid-fire questions. So, Uh take it from here. (laughs) We'll start with an easy one. Oh, no. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> Be gentle, Taylor. Yes. <laughs> we'll start with an easy one. What is your favorite book at the moment? My favorite book at the moment is a book called Quiet by Susan Cain, mm. The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. Oh, very nice. And she did She did a, a great TED Talk uh, on that topic as, as well, Susan Cain did. Yes. Okay. Next we talked a little bit about some of the flaws of technology and and some of our mobile applications today. What is an app or a piece of technology that you actually would recommend to clients or that can be very helpful for a a small business? I actually love WhatsApp because I am able to communicate with people for free around the world. I was just telling Tim before the interview began, I I just recently returned from Cuba and they don't, I don't know if if you all know this, but 
basically Cuba is is the only country in the world that does not have the internet. It's very difficult for them to to have internet access, but they are able to use WhatsApp. And so I was able to make a lot of really good connections while I was there. And so because we don't, we aren't necessarily able to communicate as easily and as frequently via email, for example, because of their internet issues, mm-hmm. we can use WhatsApp. So I, I, it's just a tool that I really love right now. Fantastic. Speaking of travel, where is a, a place that you would like to visit that's on your bucket list? Japan. They are the models of efficiency. Think about what happened to Japan after World War II. The country was, I mean, just uh, obliterated. And they were able to take, for a country that has virtually very limited natural resources, look at where they are today. And uh, another reason is because of the lean methodology actually comes from Toyota, I can't wait to go to Japan. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, kind of back on, on, on books and, and podcasts, what is a, a resource for design or process engineering, whether it's a website, a podcast, that you refer clients to regularly for best practices and, and keeping up with kind of new workflows and, and case studies? Sure. A very good book, if you want to learn more about the lean methodology itself, is called The Toyota Way by Dr. Jeffrey Liker. It is a little bit more academic, but if you, I mean, it covers everything from A to Z on the lean methodology. There is also an organization called the Process Excellence Network, PEX. They are a company based in the UK. They produce conferences around the world all throughout the year, but they just have a a plethora of all kinds of resources. But again, keep in mind, their information is really geared towards the larger corporations, the the big guys that are out there, the Delta Airlines and the the Legos Mm -hmm. um, of, of the world. But there is a lot of really great information that you can glean from their different workshops and webinars and conferences and and articles. For small businesses specifically, you know, I'm going to have a shameless plug here, Taylor. I mean, (laughs) go to my website, which is eqbsystems.com. So that's E like Edward, Q like Quincy, B like boy, systems.com. And everything that I provide on our website again, is tailored specifically for and to small businesses. Fantastic. Well, that, that wraps up my, my lightning round question, so thank you for, for sharing. Uh, what else do we have to cover? Well, I, I know, Alicia, that uh, our listeners are going to want to reach out and contact you. What's the best, what's the easiest way for, for them to contact you? There are several ways, actually. You can contact me through my company's website. Again, that's www.eqbsystems.com. You can also reach out to me on LinkedIn. Just look for me at Alicia Butler Pierre. I'm also on Twitter. So, again, just look up my name. Those are the three best ways to reach out to me. And I also want to share with our listeners that uh, Alicia has a has her own podcast that I was fortunate enough to be a, a guest on. And where will where will they find your podcast? Actually, if you go to businessinfrastructure.tv, 
you will see the latest episodes there. And we also include show notes. So you'll see Tim's episode where he was interviewed and you'll see specific links to information that Tim may have referenced during his interview. Well, uh, Alicia, our time always goes so fast. I, I can't know. Be- I can't believe how fast <laughs> it's gone tonight. You've provided us with so much good information about overcoming the mistakes we make in doing process design and, and mitigating the fear. And you've given us some great examples of organizational design. So I want to thank you for being with us. I want to remind our listeners to check out Alicia's book and her podcast, And I wish you nothing but great fortune uh, moving forward. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Tim. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. And thank you, Taylor. I appreciate you both. Thank you. Very welcome. Taylor, a couple things I think maybe we want to remind our listeners. First of all, tell them about uh, uh, the newsletter. Our, Our monthly newsletter goes out at the end of each month. It includes... A featured article, a book review, and some really handy resources for small business owners and entrepreneurs. Each newsletter also includes a link to one of our new podcasts, so hopefully this one will make it in before the end of the year. And you can sign up for our newsletter by going to smallbusinessmattersonline.com. And I also want to remind our listeners the Small Business Matters Boot Camp will be kicking off in January, on January 24th. If you'd like information about the boot camp, please visit the Small Business Matters uh, website. Also, we'll be kicking off in January a what I think is going to be a great executive networking uh, event every month on the second Monday of each month. It's called Small Business Matters at Lunch. Again, check out either the newsletter or our website for additional information there. Well, Taylor, I can't believe we've come to the end of, a, of another podcast. Yep, this was one of our, our best yet, and really appreciate uh, Alicia's time and expertise, and hopefully those are, are resources and pieces of knowledge that our listeners will take home and really implement in their own organizations. You bet. So, listeners, thank you for, for staying tuned to the Small Business Matters podcast It's the only podcast that truly matters to small business. May each and every one of you continue to pursue all that matters. Thank you.